without compromise for the last generation watchmen radio Watcher Radio representing Florida, land of hurricanes and storms and all types of terror. We're doing a uh, weekly broadcast here. We're going to have guest Kirk on. Uh, I'm going to get Brother Allen on. Uh, praise God. So, we got this hurricane coming our way here again. It's not particularly fun, so I got to tie everything down. High winds and all this garbage. Uh, let's get Brother Allen on. I'm gonna get Brother Kirk on. He hasn't been on in years. Uh, are you literally ready? I'm literally ready. Oh, praise God. All right, so watch your radio. We got Brother Allen finally patched in. Um, and we're going to have Kirk on. He hasn't been on in like... Centuries. Yeah, it's been a centuries. You know, I met Kirk. He was a listener of Watch Radio back in 2005. Uh, he used to come into my chat. Uh, around the same time, Amiibo Man used to come in there. Amiibo Man used to come in my chat... Uh, you know, investigating all my ideas, getting my guests. And he would um, come in there with a Speedo. He'd have a picture of himself with Speedos on, wearing nothing else. It's pretty funny. Gross. Yeah. There was some picture of him wandering the woods in Costa Rica. Um, all right, so we are going to touch on a little bit of a micro message before we patch him in, which is going to be in about 15 minutes. With that being said, we want to thank you for those that have joined our Rumble. Uh, many of you have not. You're resistant to do it. I get it because it takes work. And the YouTube channel is kind of like on your phone because you have the Google account. And it's all kind of easy. You got the Gmail. I get it. You want to be part of the empire of the Google Corporation. And you want to be controlled by them. I get it. But many don't. 
Many want to fight the system and try to uh, scurry on over to another platform where they could say vax. Okay? I just did it. Where they could say jab and not be flagged. Where the algorithms aren't constantly looking to penetrate your audios to find something you did wrong. Okay? Tired of it. So we're over it. We got deleted at YouTube anyway. It's not like I had a choice. They wiped out 13 years of my broadcasts and my music. A lot of my music was on there. My beautifully crafted music. So they wiped it all out. And uh, a lot of other stuff like deliverance material. And they're evil. So we went over to Rumble and we don't care. We're there. If you want to join, we we urge you to follow us. We got like 240 subscribers over there. That's it. We used to have about 1,700 on our YouTube channel. But those people, a lot of them have not come over yet. And I get it. I should have been broadcasting this earlier. That was my fault. I should have been saying, hey, guys, start getting over there. Because we are probably on thin ice here. But they wiped us out without any warning. I mean, I had a strike from Derek Prince's ministry, which was they keep bringing up. They brought up when they deleted me. So I want to thank Derek Prince, even though you've been dead for so many years. Somehow you got me. Because I had an audio on there from 1974 out of... Uh, uh, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, which I knew Glenn and talked to Glenn many times years ago, and that was not copyrighted. So for them to say, oh, that was copyrighted, that's baloney. Okay? If, if Glenn, on, a, on all the audios, would say, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, 1974. This audio is available for distribution to copy. That's what it says. So how can you take an audio like that and claim that I stole your copyright? And I'm sharing an an audio about blessings and cursing and breaking curses. Oh, we're going to flag you. Derek Prince is going to get you. And they put a strike on my account. That was part of me getting destroyed over there. So I want to thank you for turning me over to the Google legal system, going to court with brother in a way, to wipe me out. Yeah, you played a part in that Derek Prince ministry. Thank you very much. And I have hey, copies of it. Can we prank call them? What? What? Can we, prank, can we prank call them or at least send them a sternly you know, worded I letter s- or something? I said it to Amiibo, man. Amiibo is actually in contact with somebody over there, but... You know, it's just, this is the state of Christianity today. I want you to understand that, that they will turn you over. Now, we have these Hebrewites jumping around. They will kill you if they can. You got all these nutbags. Look what's happened. Look what's happened. Believerism, I call it now, is being divided by a culture war. Where Paul warned about this, about uh, the cult of personality. He warned about it because it was going on about those who baptized by who were baptized by this one. And I'm of Apollos, I'm of a Paul. And there was all this division going on and Paul rebuked it. But guess what? Years later, now you got it going on. You got culture wars. <clears throat> and I heard someone recently a uh, Navy SEAL that I, I watch his channel all the time. It's called 3 of 7 Project. He's a Christian. He's right over here by me, by the way, over here. Um, and he's uh, 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 had a powerful experience with the Lord when he was in combat. Uh, they were doing witchcraft against his, uh, his team. And it, there was demons appearing in that was stationed in a house. Uh, in Afghanistan, witchcraft's everywhere, by the way. 
and they called some other pastor, and he has the whole testimony on there, but they broke the curse in Psalms 91, that thing, and they, there was peace, and the demons left. And that's the day he got on his knees and became a believer. Check out 3 of 7 Project. But he talks about this, um, what they're doing, what they're doing with Trump. He calls it a dog and pony show, and it's a, a term used in the military, by the way. Uh, but he said that uh, it's all about divide and conquer. Because if you can divide, you're able to control. And when you're able to control, you're able to destroy. That's what he said. Think about that statement. So, And he talks about it, how they're doing it with the cultures. But if you look at it in believerism, let's call it believerism. That's what it's become now. Um, you have all these different cultures attacking one another. Right. And when you when you have that, you have a great divide and that is a way of control and then to destroy. Okay, so the enemy's doing this. This all is the devil's plan to disorientate. And we went over it, me and Alan here a couple weeks ago. We're talking about how Sennacherib did this. Where he brought in, I gave the ver- it's in Kings, where he brought in foreigners all throughout the land to divide the people, because there was confusion with all these different nationalities, and it was it, it broke the spirit of the culture, and once you could break the spirit of the culture and they couldn't unify anymore, you can control them easier. Okay, that's why Sennacherib did that. Uh, so if you look at that concept of creating a culture division and then you can control them because they can't unify they can't organize you're breaking the spirit of the unification you now have complete control what is the devil doing with believerism let's just call it that because who's a christian today we don't, there's so many different sects of christianity let's just say they say they're a believer but they're going to have straps hanging down on their waist and fling them around and blow horns. And then they're going to say to you, you're, you're a pagan, right? Because you don't say the words the way they say the words. And you got all these identity, identity believerism injected in to the family of God. And you think God's happy about this? You really think the Lord is like looking down and saying, hey, this is just great. Let's get more of this going on. Fling your tzitzits and blow your horns at them. Call them pagans and jump around. Everybody's fighting over everybody. You got these sects over there. You got these sects over there. Listen, let's just have great division in the body of Christ. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And when you see this going on, this is a sign of how late in the hour this is. Now, me and Alan want to get into a micro-message real quick. But, um, because me and Alan are big believers on asking, seeking, and knocking. Aren't we, Alan? That's right. But we're talking about asking, seeking, and knocking to the Father. Okay? Going to the Lord on a certain account. Now, let me get into this. In Luke 11, and I know Alan has another scripture there in context of this. Um, with the same underst- declaration and command are just as important. Okay, you shall declare a thing and shall be established in the name of Jesus. So important. You can set the pace of what's going on in the spirit by formulating that declaration in the name of Jesus. Absolutely. Now, the ask, seek, and knock getting before the Lord is the beseeching in the priest anointing, getting before God, asking, seeking, and knocking. Now, this analogy in Scripture that we read in Luke 11 uh, is the example the Lord gave us about importunity. Now, let me just go over the synonyms of importunity that would be pressing, that would be uh, demanding, that would be requiring, um, claiming, um, 
Those are some synonyms of importunity. Now, the Lord talks about this. We are to be persistent in our requests. Okay? Not just once. I see many believers pray and they give it to the Lord one time and that's it. They'll say, Lord, I got that one, one time. And they, and if you ask them, like, oh, I gave it to the Lord, it's the Lord's will, so be it. It's like, wait a minute. That's not what I'm reading. The Lord wants us to come to him numerous times, ask, seek, and knock. Now, the example we read in Luke 11 is, and this is an example of how you should ask, seek, and knock. This is the Lord giving you the analogy. You can debate it with him. That's your prerogative. That's If you want to debate it with him, debate it with him. But he is giving you this analogy. Why? Why? Why do so many people have the one-time request with the Lord and they hand it over and they're done? Okay? It's not okay. You've got to keep on keeping on. Now, Luke 11, verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is on a journey, and has come to me, and I have nothing before to give him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because his friend yet uh, of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, the Lord saying, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and it you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and for him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask of bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Okay, so the Lord's saying, I'm not going to give you a serpent. I'm not going to fling you out uh, curses. I desire to give unto you good things. But the example here, I'm reading in italics here. That's why it's throwing me off. Um, but the example here of importunity, r- remember the synonyms um, of pressing, requiring, uh, demanding. Um, that's the attitude, and that would be Greek Strong's 335. Uh, Anadia, but think about that, guys. Think about what the Lord's saying here and get into a mindset that, no, I am not giving up. You remember how Jacob grabbed on to that angel and would not let him go? They call it the wrestling match. Uh, He wasn't letting go. It cost him uh, a limp on his leg. He was so persistent but he got the blessing, did he not, Alan? He definitely got the blessing, and after that, he was called the Limping Prince. His name was changed from Jacob the Chiseler to Israel, and um, that's when he was graced the next day to get along with uh, Esau and his 400 men that came looking for Jacob. So uh, the grace of God was with him in a much stronger way at that point. Amen. So I don't think um, he was going to be like, oh, I'll wrestle you for a second and then I'll release you. Was he like that, Alan? I don't think so. No, I, I think they wrestled just to shut up. Right. Wow. So that would be wrestling with God th- until the morning. Have we wrestled with the Lord for the breakthrough? What is the Lord saying here? Opportunity. What is he saying? Why is he giving you this example? Ask, seek, and knock. We got to put on our priestly ephod. 
and get before the Lord and say, Lord, I am going to fire these requests in an asking and a seeking and a knocking in the name of Jesus. I'm coming before you and I'm getting the release because I'm asking, I'm seeking and I'm knocking and just get before the Lord in your prayer closet. Okay. We got to keep on keeping up because many people give up. I've been there. The Lord gave me revelation. Finally got gave me revelation of a healing with my knee. I came through a dream. The wisdom to get out of that. Let me tell you, the wisdom to get out of certain situations is just important. You can ask, seek, and knock for a revelation. God can give you a word of knowledge through someone else speaking. Have you ever heard someone speaking and you're like, is that for me? You kind of feel drawn to the conversation. Somebody's mentioned in a certain scripture and it's weighing on what you're thinking in your mind at that time. Sometimes the Lord will use that as a confirmation. So you can get a confirmation through many, many different ways. But ask, seek, knock. In this case, understand that this guy was his friend. He didn't get up and say, well, that's my friend. I'm going to give him the bread because, hey, it's my friend. That's not what it says here in Luke 11.8. It says he got up and he didn't want to. He says, I'm in bed with my kids. That's what it says. But because of his importunity, his constant requesting, he got the release. Think about that. Think about that. And this was his friend. Because of his constant request. So I'm going to say it to you. Give the constant requests. Come, Don't give up. Do not be discouraged. Now, Alan, what's the verse you got with the same kind of context of an example? The verse you asked me to read was in Luke, is in Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 2. Uh, starting at verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to quit saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? That's right. Same typing example. Are you troubling the Lord in your requests? It sounds like he wants to be. Because look at the example. Look at the example he's giving. The unjust king here is an example of the heavenly father, but he says later he is not unjust, obviously, so you have more of a chance with him. However, understand it says day and night. The constant, the request in the day, the request in the night. Over and over and understand that the release came because it was constant and she kept asking day and night. We gave you the, the Luke eleven eight, the opportunity, the constant request and demand and requiring at midnight his own friend. But he didn't give him the bread because it was his friend. He gave it because he kept on keeping on. And that's what I'm going to say to you and me and all of us. Keep on keeping on. Day and night. Ask, seek, and knock. You will get the breakthrough, but you're going to have to stand. you got to keep on keeping on. Don't just take it and say, I prayed once and then hand it to the Lord. I see so many people say that. I'm like, you prayed the once? How about you keep standing and keep on knocking? You keep on requesting and don't give up. Trouble the Lord with your requests. Shake the heavens. 
You don't think the angel was shook up a little with Jacob clamped on to him? Jacob was clamped on to him. The sun was coming up. Right, Alan? That's right. He knew that God is faithful and righteous and uh, definitely wanted his blessing. And he said, uh, uh, I'm not leaving until you bless me. And, and he got his blessing. Praise God. And we have similar. We, we're dealing with that same God right now who's given us exceedingly great and precious promises like First Peter 2.24. By his stripes, we were healed. Like uh, uh, Galatians 3.13. Uh, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And 2 Peter 1, 3, saying, um, we have received all things that pertain to life and godliness. And uh, John 14, 4, 14, which says, uh, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Anything lawful. You can't, you know, lawful requests like healing, like give me a job. Uh, unlawful requests are stuff like, Lord, I want to sleep with my neighbor's wife or. Yeah, don't do that, Richard? Alan. What did I do? Sleep with your neighbor's wife. Okay, yeah, uh, that's not a lawful request. Or, Lord, help me rob this bank. That's another unlawful right. request. So, amen. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've joined us, Kirk, when Alan was talking about sleeping with his neighbor's wife. I did not sleep oh my with gosh. my neighbor's wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you have to say for him, Kirk? Uh, he, he needs to uh, think about his choices there. Oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Oh, he totally set me up for that. But I know you, Rich. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he was given an example of unlawful requests of the Lord, obviously. But um, Brother Kirk has not been on in probably, Gosh, I don't how long? long? Time, man. Yeah. Uh, I'd say t uh, maybe 10 years, 12, maybe 12. No, nah, no, nah, you've been on, you, 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 I can look in the archives, but. I uh, met Kirk many years ago, 2005, 2006. It had to be 2005. Because that's I when I so. got on yeah. podcast, right? Yep, exactly. Um, you know, can I tell you, my, my wife was just asking me, she said, how is it that you met Rich? And I said, I met Rich, and I found, explicit. Out, I found out about Watchmen. Explicit, exactly. I found out about Watchmen Radio right when I started listening to podcasts. And I said, okay, let me look through Apple's podcast. And I was looking for preaching. I was looking for, you know, some somebody preaching the word. And the, yours, <laughs> Watchman Radio was the only one that said warning, explicit. And I thought, okay, whoever this is, they're either really good or they're something, this guy's a, a fruit loop or something. So I started listening to you and I thought, okay, this guy, I know why it says explicit. It's because he's preaching the gospel and he's saying things that people have a difficult time listening to and he's telling the truth. And so that's when I, I started listening to Watchman Radio and then I started, you know, I contacted you, and we, we became friends. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a long journey, but it's been a great journey, and you've really helped me a lot, especially when the different things that I that I had to go through. So thank you. Yeah, we had an explicit warning, Alan. Um, how do you feel about that, Alan? We've always been persecuted, even since the beginning. Me and yeah, Alan oh, just yeah. got deleted off YouTube. So what, Alan? Praise the Lord. That's street cred. Um, we tell it like it is, and some things are not nice to be told, but God has a lot of not nice things to tell the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And Paul had some not nice things to say to Christians in the New Testament. So, amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah that's true. Bro Brother Kirk, um, you know, uh, I know you got your Bible study going on. You're going forward. You know, incidentally, Kirk is a masterful editor of video production, works for CBN. Um, and um, he's skilled, highly skilled at that, and highly skilled at other things uh, that he's doing. But he's also highly skilled at uh, ministering the word. And you have your, your your Bible study going. It's awesome, by the way. How's that going, Brother yeah. Kirk? It's been good. It's been going really well. We've been doing this uh, with a friend of mine for about two years now. Um, yeah, I, I'd say close to two years. And the Bible study is really, really simple. It's just something that we meet on uh, through a Zoom call on, on Monday nights. And right now, it's just not a really a big original name. It's just called Monday Night Bible Study. And we started this just because I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, share what you, you know, tell the different things that, um, that, uh, that I give you to speak. 
And one of the words that the Lord has always, has always given to me is, is this simple, se- seven simple words. Tell them what I've done for you. And, you know, from the time that I met Rich and the things that I was going through in my life, and I could share some of those, to even up to this point today, it's always been tell them what I've done for you. But I believe that as believers, we should be led by what the Holy Spirit speaks to you and and whom he wants you to speak to. And so um, with this Bible study itself, I don't necessarily have a lesson plan. You know, I would say every week where I, I try to look at five, you know, five months down the road. I just say, Holy Spirit, what should I speak about this week or what should we talk about? And there's been times, honestly, I don't really know until about an hour or maybe two hours sometimes before we start on Monday nights at six o'clock that I really have the idea. Now, lately, it's been it's been um, uh, some some of the things we've been studying have been with these past two weeks now have been on Genesis six, the biblical giants and the Nephilim. And, you know, most of the, the topics are things that I feel um, that are they, can, they really do pertain to what people are needing today. And I say all of it does. But this was the first time I've been led to talk about something that most people have never either, either heard of or they're very comfortable, uh, very comfortable even speaking about something like this. And so but as far as the uh, Bible study more directly, it's been just fantastic. And we have about anywhere from. It's kind of small. Anywhere from uh, five people to 15 people will get on, but they're from all over the world. And we have people from Ghana, a- Africa, Liberia, Africa, uh, a brother from uh, Lebanon, um, excuse me, from London. We have some people from India that are on, plus all the you know various people that are here in the States come on. And we just share our experiences with what the Lord is doing in our lives. But we've seen the Lord transform people's lives also at the same time. So it's been, it's just been fantastic. It really has. You know, it's awesome, Brother Kirk, that you're stepping out and doing that. Praise God for that. Um, incidentally, Kirk has been used many times in divine healing. He doesn't give up when he prays. Um, and he has faith to just go pray for any, people. Like, you have accounts where you just walked up to people, pray for them in the restaurant or something, right? That's unbelievable. That's powerful. Yeah. Amen. You know, so let's see, 16 years ago, and Rich remembers all this, I was diagnosed with leukemia, CML, chronic myeloid leukemia, and it really transformed my life. And, you know, I I thought about this before. If I could do this over again, would I have gone through the same thing? And and if when I answer this next question or this next statement, I would say yes. And people would say, you've got to be crazy to to still even have a thought about going through that situation. But what it did for me was it transformed my life to, to know who Christ is and, and have the necessity to have to rely upon him for minutes and for my days and for, for everything that I have. Because since that time, I've had a lot of people who have had cancer and a lot of them have died on medicine during treatments and things like that. And so it really transformed my life to make me um, reach out and think about other people instead of not saying that I was self-centered, but, you know, we all are to an extent, but to also just think about putting people ahead of yourself. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to lay hands on somebody, it doesn't matter where it's at. It doesn't matter who it is, but you do it in boldness. And, you know, kind of like what you just said, Rich, you know, I kind of look at our faith is kind of uh, in a sense like going to a gym to work out. Whenever we go to the gym, we go there with the intent to better, to gain more strength and to, say, condition our bodies. But it's the same thing with faith. If we go to and we go to study God's word and we dive deep and we start laying hands on people, we start trusting God. He starts giving us more and more uh, responsibility and more, quote, weights um, as we trust him and we extend and do what he says. And so there's just been times where I would be, I, 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 I'm maybe in the mall. I may be at lunch somewhere. I just feel that the Holy Spirit says, tell them, again, the seven words, tell them what I've done for you. And so, um, gosh, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was at my, my, step, my stepmom's funeral, and her name was Janine. And there was a guy that was going to preach the, uh, both of the services and um, and so be, between the first service, between the actual funeral itself, 
we uh, after the funeral we went to have a lunch at at a particular place, and they had the lunch catered. Uh, my stepsister did had it had it catered, and so while I'm there, the the, um, the guy who was the actual chef who had catered the food, someone asked him. They said, "Hey John, how is your eye?" And he says, "Well, I've been losing my sight in my right eye." And right there, I started listening to his conversation with this other person. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, lay hands on him. And so I said, hey, John, I said, I'm listening to what you're saying. I said, would you mind if I pray for you? And he said, yeah. He said, I, I would really appreciate that. So I walked up to him. I sat next to him. And on his right side, I put my right hand on his back, on his, the back of his shoulder. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And he talked about, he was talking about, sharing that he had an infection in his right eye and he was starting to lose his sight. He had been to specialists, had been to different people and the sight, his vision was getting worse and worse. And so, and, well, in that particular right eye. And so I, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this infection to come out. And I said, Father, just as you laid hands on the man and he could not see, uh, I command, I, I, in the name of Jesus, I command his eye to be made whole and the infection to leave. And so I, I, I prayed for him uh, you know, in that way. And then I stopped and I said, how is your eye? What do you see? And he said, I said, is your vision any better? He said, well, he said, it is getting better. But he said, more than anything, he said, I felt like your hand was on fire. And he said, I felt like I was having a hot flash through my back where your hand was touching. And I said, OK, well, let's pray again. And I just remembered the example that Jesus did when he prayed for this man that he prayed for him twice. So I said, let me pray. Can I pray for you again? And he said, yeah. So I prayed for him again. And I said, in the name of Jesus, infection, I command you to come out. And while I'm praying for him, he said, I don't know what's going on. He says, but he starts picking up a napkin and this orange ooze started weeping out of his right eye. It's just pouring out of his eye. And he said, I don't know what's happening. But he said, again, I'm feeling this fire and this stuff is pouring out of my eye. And I looked over at, over at it, and on this napkin was this orange type of, uh, you know, infection coming out of his eyes, kind of an orangish color. And he said, I am starting to see now. And so those kind of things like that are what the Lord commands us to do. It's not an option. It's not something that we we take lightly. He told us to do that, to bring glory to his name. And, and you know, the, the reason why the Lord uses these things is because every time Jesus would heal somebody— we would notice that it says, and many were added to the kingdom that day. And Jesus, I felt, didn't do it just because he was wanting to be a, a cool guy or be a good guy. He did it to add numbers to the kingdom and to show his righteousness and to show that he is God. And so those are just some of the things. And that's just one of many, many examples of the Lord giving me opportunities. And it's all glory to him just to be able to pray for somebody like that. You know, that's um, an example of um, being kind of spontaneous. You know, I kind of, you know, sometimes think two things out too much. I don't know about Alan. I think Alan's probably more spontaneous than I am. But, Alan, would you just come out and just start praying for anybody like that? It's pretty powerful just to do that, right? I mean. I can't remember right now ever doing that, but. Uh, at places where I'm invited to, uh, right, yeah. you know, instruct in command. Well, like strike the head of the serpent. Quick... You you were praying for yeah. like a hundred people that day, but yeah, there's what, what I admire. There, yeah. yeah, what I admire about uh, Kirk, and it reminds me of that guy that I was telling you about the other day, Alan. The um, I forgot his his name, but Randy Clark told the story of the, of the kid over in Brazil that came to his meetings and wanted to be a faith healer. And it c- kind of goes in lines with the importunity, the message we, the micro message we we touched on earlier about constantly asking and seeking and knocking and not giving up. By the way, but to keep Amen. on keeping on through importunity, meaning pressing, meaning requesting and demanding, is another cinnamon for that word. Did I say cinnamon or cinnamon? But <laughs> you said cinnamon. I love because I just had cinnamon tea. I love that cinnamon. Cinnamon tea. Cinnamon. But that's right. Um. This this kid um, would saw Randy Clark do some faith healings when he was over in Brazil, 
And incidentally, um, didn't you just mention Brazil, by the way, Kirk? Yeah, I sure did. Um, you know, because one of my kind of sidetrack, one of my hobbies is I've been making. Oh, okay, that's right. About, okay, now yeah, I remember making right. knives for eleven years, and I sent a knife that I made to a customer today. Okay, so, Brazil. Who's in okay. Brazil? Yeah. All right. So this this I know I remember, I heard Brazil. So this kid um, just started going around walking on the street, and he'd see somebody limping, or he'd see somebody uh, with a, a bum eye or something. And he would ask them, can I pray for you? This is a true story. I have it on audio. And he would pray, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You know, something like that. And nothing would happen. And then he did it again, and nothing had happened. And he would keep going, wandering around the streets looking for people he could pray for, and nothing would happen. Now, I think Randy said it was over 700 times he had failed healing prayers. But I, I wouldn't even call them failed. I would say beginning stages of prayer because that could be one layer. I believe in incremental healing also. But let's just say that one day he w- just did the same thing. He was at a bus stop, and it was somebody that was deaf. And with somebody, he walked up to him and said, Can I pray for him? And I, he put his fingers in his ear the way Randy Clark does. And boom, the ears opened up. Okay, people started to get... This was over 700 attempts at praying for people with not particularly results like I just said. But understand that that is a kind of form of opportunity where he kept on going. He, he said, I'm going to move in this. I am going to keep on doing it. And then he got the breakthrough and the flow of that anointing of healing at last time I heard is still on that man. He still has it. That flow was released through the persistence. Now, it came through spontaneous prayer the way Kirk does. I know Kirk has told me many times we would be like in a fast food store and just go up to people yes. and start praying. Right, Kirk? I mean. That's right. Amen. Yeah, can I share you one, uh, one other time? Yeah, go ahead, bro. I was actually, speaking of the fast food place, I was with my mother who happened to come to visit us. And we were at Chick-fil-A, just my mom and I. And there was a lady that was sitting to my right. And she had uh, some type of cap on her head when I've seen women who've lost their hair from um, chemotherapy, something like that. And I just felt that the Holy Spirit was saying, Go, go talk to her. Share with you, share with her your experience. Again, the same thing. Tell them what I've done for you. And so since I went through leukemia, um, it's, it's it, it was just an opportunity to be able to share with this lady. And so I walked up to her table and I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? I said, have you been experiencing some, some type of health concerns or health issues? And she said, yes. And I said, can I share with you my experience and with with um, this particular thing. And she said, yeah, please. And so they said, would you sit sit at our table? They invited me to sit next to them. And my mom is sitting at a table just right across. And so I sit there and I said, what is your name? And she said, my name is BJ. And I said, well, my name is Kirk. And I said, BJ, what's been going on with you? And she says, well, she said, I um, just finished my I finished chemotherapy for, and I forgot, some type of cancer. Now, let me say this. I don't think that you can really have a testimony without a test. And I think that when you go through certain issues, whether it be financial things, health concerns, you um, have other types of issues. Uh, I know when it was my my youngest son was born premature and he weighed two pounds, seven ounces. I can I can now speak to somebody who has who's had a preemie baby and I can speak to someone who's dealt with cancer but I can't speak to someone necessarily in other areas of their lives because I haven't maybe gone through that. But in, in this particular area of cancer, I was able to speak with her. And because I've had a test, I'm able to give her my testimony. But I started telling her and just sharing with her what the Lord's done for me. And so I said, can I pray for you? And I said, how can I specifically pray for you? What is it that you want Jesus to do today? And she started crying and her mother was with her and she started crying too. And she said, you know what, Kirk? She said, I am so afraid, and I never want this to come back. I never want this to ever come back. And I said, 
And I just, uh, I'm almost getting emotional now. I said, you know what? We're going to pray that Jesus has healed you once and for all. And that this will never come back in his name. In the authority and the blood of Jesus, this will never come back. So her, her main issue was that she was just dealing with a lot of fear and didn't have peace. So I prayed for her right there. And she, um, a cursed cancer, I commanded it in Jesus' name to never come back to tell it that you have, you know, Jesus said his name is above every name. And so whatever this cancer type was that she had, she said to me, I just said in the name of Jesus, you're in the Father, your name is above the name of, uh, let's just say, leukemia. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you have no authority, and I command you to never come back. And, you know, those kind of things that, that we go through in through our lives allow us to be able to speak with understanding and, and um, the ability to have empathy towards somebody else. And so those are just kind of things that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gives me the opportunity, and I'm thankful for that to be able to pray for somebody. Praise God. You know, that's that's true. You know, the Lord moved in compassion when he prayed for many. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's 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 one of that's one. That's kind of the catalyst of, of the power, um, you know, picturing that you went through it. You know, Alan's been through attacks. We we all have a certain thing that we um had like you said, the testimonies come through a test. Alan, you have something to um, ask, Brother Kirk? Um, yeah, uh, Brother Kirk, what uh, have you ever dealt with witchcraft personally, and how did you handle it? Um, I've never dealt. Well, let me say this: I've dealt with people, um, a, a boy who had demons. Um, I was at a church one time that I used to go to, and they would have a prayer night on Monday nights. I believe it was. And I'm not saying anything against the church. I'm not going to list the church. But this little boy came in. I guess he must have been about 12 or 13 years old. And they asked the pastor at the time to pray, or actually like the assistant pastor, to pray for this boy. And as soon as he walked in and the way he started behaving, I just felt I just felt that there was something wrong. And, it's, and, and I felt that it was wrong that the Holy Spirit was showing me that this boy had a particular demon or demons. Just because of the way he was behaving, and I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people want to blame demons on everything. You know, it's raining outside. Well, it must be a demon. No, you can really discern and tell when something like this is raising its head and you can tell. And I'm watching what's going on. And it was really unusual to me because the pastor did not feel comfortable or rather, excuse me, the assistant pastor did not feel comfortable praying for this. It was not something that they they knew how to pray for or how to deal with. Now, on the other hand, though, and, and so let me back up. Nothing was really accomplished with that that particular thing at that time. But I did have an issue one time where uh, when I first started working for CBN, there was a guy I worked with named Will. And and Will said that he, him and his family and his son, his wife and his son had moved into an apartment and he said, he, I said, well, hey, man, how, after being in his apartment for a week or two, I said, how's your apartment? Do you like your apartment? He goes, yeah. He says, but my son is waking up in the middle of the night screaming at having these horrible dreams. And his son was a little boy. And he says, uh, he says he's screaming. And we ask him what he sees. And he says he sees people being killed, people being murdered. And he says, I don't know how to make it stop. And the Holy Spirit just it rose up in me. I said, I know how to make it stop. And he says, how? And I said, you go get some type of oil. It can be vegetable oil. It can be any type of oil. And I said, you put a dab of that on your son's head. Just dab it on there. And on yourself and on your wife and on every door and every window that comes into and out of your apartment. And I said, and you pray over your house. And you tell these demonic forces that they are not welcome and in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave and never come back. You cannot cross this threshold or touch my son or my children anymore. And so he did that. And he said, you know what, Kirk? They have never come back. And the, those dreams stopped that night. So that is that is what there is authority in the name of Jesus and in his, in his blood that he's given us. And we just have to realize we have to be, let me say this, we have to look at it as this. If I'm trying to, if I come up to your door to your house or your apartment, 
and I go and try to force my way in, what are you going to do? You're, you should fight me. You should use every weapon at your disposal to physically fight me from uh, trying to get into your house because if you think I'm trying to come in and harm you. But, well, we should look at the same way as the enemy trying to come against us as believers in Christ. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about us uh, putting on the full armor of God. It might be Ephesians 5. But we are supposed to put on the full armor of God, not parts of it, not some of it. or pick. You don't pick the ones that you want to use. You put on the full armor. And I, I did a study on that. And one of the parts of the armor is we never have our back to the back of the of the soldier is never is never armored because in the word God says I will be your rear guard. He always intended us to be moving forward or to stop and wait, but he never intended us to be to run backwards. And so daily when I've had to deal with I mean, I guess Alan to answer your question, I've never dealt with witchcraft from a person, but I have dealt with demonic spirits that tried to come against me, my family or others. Cool. That was that was right. a lot, and I appreciate hearing that. Richard, can I ask him another question? Well, I just want to give a shout-out to all the witches that listen to us. Uh, Kirk is look, looking for an experience. So uh, <laughs> you, get, you get your cauldron up? ready. Um, go ahead, Brother Allen. Uh, my next question is uh, – you ever had a nasty dirtbag coworker that tried to get you in trouble with the boss or get you fired? And if yes, uh, how'd you handle it? <laughs> uh, no, I, I've never had anything a, a, a person doing here describing. I've had people that I've worked with that were really difficult. And the thing I learned, whether they're Christian or not, I just had to take them to the side. Uh, the, the, the thing I found that with God's word when you deal with people, there's a couple ways to deal with people. Um, number one, the first thing is a kind word turns away wrath. I've seen that countless times. You know, someone's being a jerk to you. You can either choose to be a jerk back to them or or amplify it, whatever you want to do. And that's in your, your flesh wants to do that. But I found that when I use a kind word, it stops it. And I always say, God, your word says this. A kind word turns away wrath. And when I when I turned the situation around by speaking kindly to them or even sometimes even saying you're sorry, even though you didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> that is what will will change a lot of things. Now, the other thing is to speak to people privately, take them to the side to hey man or hey to, the, you know, to a, a, some man or some woman that's saying something or whatever, making your life difficult, whether it's your job or just, you know, anything, even your own loved ones or friends. Take them to the side. Speak to them um, if you need to sternly but or, or just lovingly, but try to use what God said and speak. Use a kind word, and it will turn away wrath. It really will. I don't know if that helps or not, but I mean, listen. It, it, it does. I mean, any, no, it does. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. Good. I mean, not, parts not of the way I would up. handle it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. Every uh, I wouldn't want to rise up, and at times, you know say some nasty things like anybody else, but I just have to, I have to live by, I try to live by, I don't always do it, but I try to live by what God says and just put his word into effect. If that fails, the Keltron way is crazy glue them to a chair. <laughs> that works too. Oh, yeah. I, I thought the Keltron way was before you start railing on them, you started off with, look genius, and then you rail on them. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we, we yeah. knew a guy well, I don't want to argue with you, and he's the one starting the argument, you know. But it's kind of a psyop, isn't it? Yeah, well, a real road scholar, that guy. Yeah, praise God. Well, brother Kirk, I want to thank you for touching base, and uh, we we would like to have you on more often. Maybe take some callers and pray. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I love that, man. I would love the opportunity. You want to set that up? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll talk to you afterwards, and I'd be glad to, man. I'd love to. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank you for, for coming on and, and touching base. Uh, you know, you've been on many times over the many years. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, we've got a new audience on Rumble now, some new people. We're over there now. You know, I told Kirk, Alan, uh, to join Rumble. He goes, what's Rumble? <laughs> great. This is great, right? 
<laughs> what's that? Hey, Rich, can I? Yeah, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, could you I, don't know? Could I, uh, could I give people my email address? If yes, they want to absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Would that be okay? Okay. Um, you can reach me at my email address. It's my last name, which is G-U-I-L-L-O-T, and my first name, Kirk, K-I-R-K, at gmail.com. Again, that's G-U-I-L-L-O-T, and then Kirk, all one word, at gmail.com. Or if you want to make it easy, trenchknife at yahoo.com. Yeah, that works too. That was that was my old <laughs> my old name when I was uh, collecting old World War One knives. So, yeah, that was a yeah, that's exactly. old. You a know what? Time. That's an easier one, isn't it? <laughs> it is absolutely. It uh, is. <laughs> but brother Kirk, thank you, brother, for coming on. God bless you, brother. Yeah. You too, guys. Thank you so All much. Right. Good God night. bless you. Okay. Bye bye. Praise God, brother Kirk. Uh, hasn't been on, and he says ten years, but I, I think it was uh, not that long ago. By the way, it's cinnamon, Alan. What do you mean cinnamon? Cinnamon, cinnamon. I know what cinnamon is that that spice that's so tasty. But what do you what do you what a do you word mean? a word cinnamon? Synonym. Okay. Oh, synonym is not cinnamon. Syn- synonym. Okay, this is boring. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> well, we aren't talking. I'm telling you. Uh, okay, all right. What? Okay. All right, so we um, had a little bit of a micro word earlier. And, you know, I want to actually expound on that um, uh, in another another message. Because, you know, Brother Allen touched on about the wrestling. We, we got to get into our... Hey, we got to ask, seek, and knock, and you could see uh, Brother Kirk has that boldness to just go pray. And you know what? I have not been obedient in that area. I'm going to admit it. I've been in situations where I should have stepped out, and I probably didn't. And why don't we get that boldness and see what God can do? Amen? Amen. Uh, What about you, Alan? You feel... You want to be more bold? Well, um, I want to be bold. And uh, I think the way to be bold is to spend time in the word. And so the word renews our minds and we and we worship God and uh, and we spend time fellowshipping with the father around the word, getting the word down into our spirits to where it affects our character. And then the boldness will come out. I think it would be a mistake for people to try to be bold without uh, changing their character with worship and uh, meditating on the word and speaking the word over themselves. Um, sometimes, sometimes we accidentally think that oh, a person is this way and no, they're just going to be that that way for the rest of their lives, and that's not the case in the Christian life. Again, I'm repeating myself. Romans chapter twelve, verse two: uh, We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says we are new creatures. And more than and another verse uh, and so on and so on. So it's a brand new life. It's a brand new walk. And the way that happens is through worship and meditating and practicing the word and acting on the word at every opportunity. And then then from that standpoint, uh, you'll have boldness to walk up to strangers and command healing into them and, and to smile at them and to love them, even though you never met them. So how's that, Brother Richard? I don't want to argue with you. listen let's get bold you know i mean let's not have any crutch there before it we should be preaching the gospel in season and out of season that's talking about just doing it just doing it and nike stole that term from the gospel because we should just be doing it you know give that track out and you know what? Sometimes in the worst, I remember one time I didn't want to pray for somebody and they, I was like doing something else. And I said, well, I got to do it. I, I did it. And you know what? It was a major breakthrough. Sometimes when you don't want to and you sacrifice what else you had to do at the moment, that's a sacrifice unto righteousness because it's for the Lord. Think about that. Um, let's be bold with tracks. Let's be bold with preaching the coming of the Lord and getting ready, real, and right in this hour. And let's be bold with healing and deliverance. 
you know? And then, and uh, regarding the tracks thing, uh, I remember between 2006 and 2009, I wasn't really tithing anywhere. I, I mean, I, I helped people, but I was definitely witnessing and handing out tracts on a regular basis. And during that time, uh, the Lord made sure that he did double my salary. Uh, I got and uh, from one place to another. And um, then I stopped witnessing and handing out tracts. And the, uh, this was right around the financial crisis of 2009. And it would have been the easiest thing in the world for that investor to just hang on for, you know, three, like four or five more months to finish that project, to get that game out. But he said, nah, and then just basically pulled the plug on this video game we'd been working on for months and months and months and months, uh, four months before completion. So, and I was wondering at the time, you know, why did this happen? Well, the reason it happened is because I stopped witnessing and handing out tracks. And that was the reason I was blessed to that place. And uh, so one preacher even said, uh, you want a better car than you have? Pass out tracts uh, because there's God definitely makes blessings come toward you as you put the kingdom first at, and by passing out tracts as one good example. Amen. Amen. Good word. Was that Dukem Nukem you were working on? Uh, oh, no, that was um, I mean, obviously, the game was never finished. It was called a uh, Lunar Racing Championship. That was a joke because so, Duke Nukem was like in 1995, right? Yeah, that was I was still in college being yeah, stupid. So you were like baby Allen. Sort yeah. of. Um, I was still twenty two, so oops. Yeah. Manly Allen. So praise God. Good broadcast here, getting some stuff out, getting Brother Kirk back on after all these years. And um Allen had some good questions and you know, it's kind of cool. I want to um, do that, take some calls for healing with you and Kirk. We'll, we'll use the uh, FCC line to do that. Wouldn't that be interesting, Alan? Kind of a bold way of doing it. Just step out and do it. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd, I'd love to do that with you and Kirk. Yes. I'm wondering if we should just start calling hospital rooms. No, no, no. We should let them come to us. Um, yeah. 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 All right. Um, praise God. We're going to burn rubber out of here. I got to get ready for this, uh, whatever's going on over here. These high winds picking up. But uh, welcome to Florida. And keep Trump in prayer that this appeal for the date, they're trying to give him no time to prepare for his case in D.C. with that kangaroo court. We got to pray for him, guys. You got to pray. that. Listen, if these satanic libtards get more power, they are going to turn the screws to everybody. So if you want that, then don't pray. But we are in a very crucial moment for our freedoms. So let's do it. Assemble those prayer meetings. Uh, Somebody said they banned all these prayer uh, groups on Facebook. They don't even want the prayer going up. These satanic bastards on Facebook. And I'll say it. And on YouTube. Because I'm not on there and I don't care. All right? Amen. So, yeah, we, we don't care, me and Alan. We're on here now. We're in rubble, man. And we're on podcast Amen. and whatnot. So, I remember back when you used to uh, broadcast Watchroom Radio on YouTube and Facebook, and we are definitely not there anymore. We're not Amen. there, bro. Yeah, yeah, we're not there. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to burn rubber out of you. Thank you, Brother Alan, for joining us, and uh, I'll touch base with you a little later. Oh, before you go, before you go, I got something to say. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. You think you're too cool for school. But I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. Yep. What's that? What's that? Get ready. Get ready. I'm right here. Come at me. You aren't. Okay. You aren't. And you know it, bro. Give me a break. Bye. Bye.
Sie sind 